Thanks for joining us today on the nateholdridge.com podcast. Today is a little bit of a different episode. As you'll notice, there's a different voice today on the podcast. That is Pastor Matt Kaler of Calvary Monterey. And uh, we're just really excited. He's going to be co-hosting this episode with Pastor Nate as I am actually in Florida um, taking some vacation time with my wife and family, um, getting outside for a little bit. So we're just so thankful for Pastor Matt um, to be able to have this conversation with Nate about how church leadership can walk by faith in making decisions and preaching the gospel and raising up leaders and a lot in between. So if you're a church leader, if you're a pastor, if you're somebody who serves at a church, we pray that this conversation is helpful for you and that maybe you can walk away from this conversation with some things that you can apply to your life and ministry today. So we pray you're blessed by this. All right, Nate. So, hey, we want to talk about seven ways modern church leadership can walk by faith. And uh, I think the first question is, um, is there something more spiritual to giving seven ways rather than six? <laughs> seven is the number. Okay. Yeah, if I, if, I came in, if I came up in here with six ways, wouldn't you just immediately dismiss that? Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't be interested. Yeah. It's, it's got to be either three, uh-huh. or if you go beyond that, you can't stop at four, five, or six. Right. got to go to seven. Just go for seven. Yeah. Well, it's good. I'm glad you did that because we can talk about it now that it's seven ways. Um, no, love this blog. I think uh, such an important topic. So you're kind of, you know, you know, you're opening up, kind of talking about Paul's ministry style. Mm-hmm. You know, from Second Corinthians, and we've been going through that as a church leadership at Staff mm-hmm. Chapel on Tuesdays that you do. And um, before we kind of get into the blog, I'd love for you just to share because Staff Chapel has been something since I've been on staff, that I've really enjoyed, really gleaned from. Mm. Uh, I've really appreciated how you you come each week with a with a word, something you've prepared. I can tell that you're not just going, all right, let me pull something out of, you know, here on, on the way up the stairs into the youth room. You're not just trying to figure something out, but you come with a solid word for us as a church staff. Mm. And uh, so I just love that, But but can you talk a little bit about why yeah, yeah. you had an idea for staff chapel, why that's important for us. Sure. Yeah. So it's thanks for saying that because sometimes it doesn't feel, I don't feel all that prepared. So it's nice to, nice to hear that. And yeah. So what we do, just kind of where our, the, our life cycle as a church is, we have um, a staff. You know, a lot of churches don't have a staff. Some staffs uh, of churches are bigger than others. Uh, but we have a, a decent amount of people who, um, you know, will go into the church services at some point on Sunday, but might be distracted with serving, you know, that kind of thing. And then we have some who might have a harder time consistently getting in there, you know, mm-hmm. because of maybe like a serving in Calvary Kids or something like that. Right. They're working outside, you know, and they have to be kind of available. So part of what I wanted to do with a weekly staff chapel service, so to speak, is to have a slot where if there was no other time during the week where someone who was on our staff had was able to stop and listen to the Bible being taught to them Hmm. and not doing anything else, not multitasking, not cutting the grass or changing diapers simultaneously as they're podcasting it, but just (laughs) stopping and sitting and hearing 
then they'd get that, you know, every Tuesday. Yeah. And then I think secondarily, um, you know, over time, I've just kind of felt that, well, you know, we have a lot of younger people on our staff, um, but not only younger people uh, who need to hear, you know, me talk about leadership and ministry and philosophies of ministry and things like that, what makes us a church, what makes us tick. Um, Also, I think kind of no matter where you're at in your ministry life and experience, it's really good to hear from the lead pastor Mm. what he's thinking and where he's at and how he's feeling about stuff. So it's kind of a discipline for me to to do that. Mm -hmm. But um, I just have felt it really important, you know, to do that. It's kind of one of the things I I think maybe I was taking a little bit of my own counsel because I've always... uh, referred to the passage in Judges when Deborah and Barak sing the song and say, oh, when the leaders lead in Israel. And I've always used that um, sentence to encourage church leaders to actually lead. Mm -hmm. You know, there's one thing, it's one thing to to be named the pastor. It's another thing to actually pastor. It's one thing to be the leader. And then it's another thing to actually do the work of leadership. And I feel like it's impossible to lead if you don't open your mouth. Mm. So that's, that's a big part of the reason why I do staff chapel. Yeah, that's great, man. Well, it definitely feels like, you know, that time of the week that we are being pastored by you. We're being led by you. And so great job. Um, love it. Love what it does for our team. So so why Second Corinthians? Um, you know, and you, we've gone through different things. We've, you've kind of brought us through the life of David as a staff, mm-hmm. but we land in 2 Corinthians. Um, what is it about this letter and that kind of stuck yeah. out to you? Yeah, I wanted to do 2 Corinthians because Paul is so open about what his ministry life looked like. His thought processes, the way he made decisions, his struggles, mm. um, the things that were difficult for him in ministry. He talked about all of that in yeah. uh, in Second Corinthians. So, you know, especially as I was thinking about people who were in their first year or two years or three years of doing ministry uh, in a full-time, you know, kind of way, I thought, man, this, this book is so great for yeah. explaining all that. And then secondarily, um, for that purpose, but primarily for what Paul was writing about, um, there's so much in there about the new covenant kind of life mm. and how we live and how um, just how counterintuitive the Christian life is yeah. and yeah. You know, how much we're drawing on Christ's resources for ministry and walking in the triumph of Christ and the new covenant. And so, you know, I wanted to talk about a lot of those concepts also. Yeah. But yeah, mostly because he's just so open about mm-hmm. his ministry heart and focus and thought process in Second Corinthians. Yeah. yeah. So we're we're actually not done with it yet. We we just finished chapter seven yeah. yesterday. So totally. we got a little ways to go. It's been great. I I think it was uh Wearsby, I remember him referring to Second Corinthians as the pastor's manual mm. in the Bible. Mm. And That's you're, so good. you're right, just the whole idea of Paul bringing out his heart and, you know, um, we just got to talk about, um, what is this, just the way that he viewed Titus and just um, his place in the church with the people in Corinth and mm. just um, pretty incredible stuff, him being honest, 
and being open. Yeah. It was really good. Totally. Um, so then seven ways that we can walk by faith. So, you know, in churches often we can get kind of comfortable and things kind of are going along and things are, are good, you know, in a lot of, a lot of ways. And so we can kind of just continue to do the things that we're doing mm-hmm. that are keeping things the way that they are. But, but you are, are saying, you know, we need to be willing to take steps of faith. Mm. And I think just saying that is really good, but you breaking it down in these seven uh, different <laughs> ways, I think really helps people understand, okay, what does it look like to take a step of faith? So um, I, I really like you starting it out by talking about taking a step of faith with people. Mm. I think that was a really good kind of starting point. So can you talk a little bit about what you were thinking with that, where you're going with that? Yeah, sure. I mean, at the end of the day, this, you know, probably in one way, shape, or form, all of the seven have some kind of connection to that one. Yeah. You know, taking steps of faith with people, you know, believing that there is something in there about an individual that maybe they can't even see themselves, but that you are starting to see it, Mm. you know? So, you know, in the context of church ministry, um, you know, there's going to be times where we have to um, take a step and promote someone into a role that we don't know how they're going to do. We think we see some giftings and some callings, but if people are advancing as we want them to advance, then more than likely there's going to be plenty of times that we're asking them to do something that they've never completely done before. Maybe yeah. maybe some, you know, some, you know, well, there were some teachings, you know, that we saw them give or something like that, but you have to take a step of faith with people. You know, this this year we're going to be laying hands on um, two different men and their wives and families and, and um, praying for them as they go out to plant churches. Hmm. Do I know exactly what's in store for them? Do I, do I, am I, you know, rock solid, like confident, like I know exactly what's going to happen over the next 30 years? You know, absolutely not. Um, but there's a faith that you have to put in, 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 in God, obviously that he is able to work in the lives of these people. And, you know, I think for me, as I've just kind of watched my own you know, heart and life and ministry, you know, I was 20 when I started full-time ministry, you know, which is younger than a lot of people, but it's because of our Calvary Chapel heritage where you don't have to go to seminary for, you know, ever. So, you know, I was able to do a little bit of Bible college and then really just start going, you know, in, in, uh, in ministry. And, you know, back when I was 21, 22, 23 years old, you know, in my mind, I thought, well, hey, you know, it's a big deal to, you know, teach in the main pulpit or, you know, pastor a church, you know, things like that. But I can totally see God using me in that kind of way. Hmm. Um, it, it's a step of faith for me, but I could totally see it. But now, you know, as I'm older, I, it's, uh, it's more difficult for me to look at someone who's 21, 22, or 23 years mm. old in that same kind of way. And so that's where the faith, you know, comes in. M- maybe when you're 21 or 22 or 23, maybe it's not so much faith as it is like <laughs> a little bit of pride mixed sure. with a little bit of just youthful strength, oh, you know, yeah. and passion. some faith, you know, yeah, sure. some passion. 
But, um, you know, the older you get, the more it's like, man, this is, I'm really, I'm trusting God here. Cause yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't trust that 22 year old man, yeah. but I trust what God is doing, you know, in, in his life, you know? So that's super big good time with people taking a step with people. Yeah. I, I love this line at that, the last paragraph at that first section, you said, we must maintain a strong faith in what God can do in the lives of the young bucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just thought, you know, that's great, because I think a lot of people, even in our movement, would consider you a younger guy that way. <laughs> yeah. But just the fact that, you know, what the opportunities that God gave you in your 20s, you're looking at the guys who are in their 20s, and you're going, I don't want to sell those guys short. Yeah. I want to have faith in God that He can use them so with this younger generation of leaders, mm-hmm. what are some ways that us as church leadership that, that maybe have been you know, established in a ministry for some time, what are some ways that we are going to have to entrust the Lord um, and these young guys to the Lord mm-hmm. in ministry? I, I, you know what I'm asking there? Yeah, well... I mean, there's. Are you asking about the process of how to do it, or areas that we do need to to lean on them? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think for me, I'd like to talk about that second thing. That's kind of what I was going yeah, for. Because I think a lot of it is, um, it's not that I feel that I need to have a you know a stable of younger guys that I go to that I can sit there and say, okay, guys, now tell me about this and tell me about that. And what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? I think that can be helpful. Yeah. And I think that there, but I think there's lots of ways to hear that kind of stuff. I mean, there's things you can read online that just kind of show you some of the mentalities that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for for me, some of the areas that you know I've got to to, I church planning is a big one. Yeah. You know, looking at young guys and saying, you know, what kind of calling do you believe that you have on your life? Um, as much as I want to pastor a multi-generational church here at Calvary Monterey, I also understand that statistically churches for the most part have an average age that's about 15 years from the age of the senior leader, the lead pastor, the guy yeah. that's teaching and speaking each week. So my hope is that I will be able to speak into the life of the next generation for my whole life. Yeah. Um, my hope is that I'll be able to be, you know, 70 years old and and loving them and caring for them so much that when I teach the Bible to them, there's a willingness for a 20-year-old to listen to it and receive it. But on the other hand, I understand that that will be that will um, not be the rule. Mm. You know, that that will be an exception rather than the rule. The rule is going to be that, you know, those 15-year-olds now are probably going to be pastored by 25-year-olds right now. Mm. And those kids that are, you know, five years old, they're probably going to be pastored by guys that are 15 and 20-year-olds old right now. Mm. So I think just thinking about, you know, that and being willing to say, like, well, I can't, I can't be the pastor for everybody. Mm. I'm not going to have that voice for everybody, um, so I think that's you know part of it. I, I think just like looking around and seeing leadership roles within the church that you know you don't lower the bar at all for these younger guys, but you want to see them 
step up into those roles. So, I mean, aside from being the lead pastor in a church, there's lots of great opportunities in a church. There's opportunities in obviously leading younger people, like I just mentioned, yeah. you know, in youth ministries and stuff like that. But then you have the leading of worship, you have guest speaking and guest teaching. And, you know, when I first started here in Monterey, I was 29, 30 years old. So whenever I was not going to be speaking on a Sunday, for the most part, I wanted somebody older than me to mm-hmm. be speaking, uh, to give that kind of like variety to the church. And now I'm that I'm almost 40, I'm kind of more in a stage where I'm like, well, I, I for the most part, want to have younger guys speaking, and then from time to time, someone older than me speaking. Mm. Uh, but I don't feel as much of like an urgency to make sure that I balance out my younger years with somebody that's more seasoned and older, you know, in the main pulpit when I'm not, when I'm not there and not speaking. Um, and then, so for that, I just try to build guys up and their teaching and speaking gift. You know, I'm not, I don't want to just put them out there to fail. I want to put them out there for, you know, to succeed. So I try to work with guys and uh, help them, you know, get better at their gifting. And yeah. So I don't know. What are some of the things that you've seen because I think some of it's just like well you either are that or you aren't that and so I think there's probably just things I do that I don't really know yeah no I think I think that's great I think the whole idea of not lowering the bar but but also presenting the bar to them and saying hey here's here's the opportunities because of your age doesn't discount your ability or what qualifies you to Mm -hmm. lead or to do ministry Mm -hmm. and I think we've got some incredible young guys that have been raised up that you and other pastors, we've been speaking into their lives and seeing them do ministry and lead. It's exciting. Yeah. And you're just in that place where, you know, I feel like what God what God has given you is this opportunity to have such an influence on these younger guys, but your influence is reaching beyond your age too. So as much as you minister to that that 15 years, you know, I feel like I feel like we're in a place at the church, and and I think in even what God's doing through your ministry and and what we're doing here is is there's there's a there's a influence even above that too. So it's mm-hmm. exciting to see that um, who are the who are the Nates coming under us that mm-hmm. are going to be doing that kind of a thing too. Mm. So so let's talk about um, projects. I thought this was interesting, and, and this kind of goes into the the ventures of faith um, one, two. You kind of mentioned these two are connected, but they are different. But first, I'd love to talk about projects and how, you know, kind of embarking on a new project might be kind of scary and walking by faith in that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I wanted to separate um, project, ministry projects from ventures of faith because, you know, I felt like ventures of faith would be like our uh, church planning school, you know, where it's like, who knows what's going to happen with this? Yeah. This is a really big thing that we're trying to focus on. We don't totally know what we're doing, but we believe that something is happening there. But this is way bigger than just a project. Um, but projects to me are more those um, things that, that you feel personally as you've prayed, as you've sought counsel, as you've been in the Word, where you just have a conviction like, I think I need to 
try this. It might be a ministry that you need to launch or, um, you know, an endeavor that you need to step into. This podcast is an example of that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's nothing that tells me in the Bible that I, as a local church pastor, should have a podcast discussing weekly articles that I'm posting online. That's right. But, you know, just kind of as the years have gone by, as, um, you know, I began sensing a conviction from the Lord to take a couple of years to exercise like a writing muscle mm-hmm. that, and hoping that it uh, develops into a stronger gifting in my life. Um, you know, I started just thinking about some of those things that I was writing and really praying about them. And, and in one sense, just saying to the Lord, like, Lord, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I want to do this for you and I want to be obedient in it. Um, but I also have a heart for people who, you know, might not be able to take the time to read uh, a 15 minute article or something like that, right. you know, and maybe, maybe there'd be something that would bless them that could just get into their ears and bless them on a commute or while they're working or um, doing chores or, you know, something like that. Because, you know, that's been such a blessing to me in my life, you know, churches and leaders who have um, taken the time to go into a studio and talk about various leadership, you know, kind of things or the Christian life or, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of open up a little bit more. So, you know, it's like a step of faith to do that. Totally. So it's just a project that you just don't know. Like, man, I don't know what God's going to do with this, you know. And I, I find for me a lot of times, you know, I tell, I tell people, you know, kind of my line about it is, you know, some guys write because they have a publisher that's like knocking down their door and saying like, hey, you know, we are ready to release your book. What's it about? And when are you going to write it? Yeah, you exactly. Know? And I'm just not one of those guys, you know, I'm. Uh, at a stage in my life and you know maybe the lord puts me in that kind of stage at some point in my life but you know for me it's more of like well why are you writing books well because i think the lord told me to yeah. you know yeah i, I, I think that I, i'm just taking a step of faith i don't totally, totally know where this is gonna go but it's a project that i think god wants me you know to do and i think a lot of times those those project like steps of faith they just lead to some of the coolest fruit that you just could not have planned. Mm. You know, this morning before I came in to do this podcast with you, I took a few minutes, uh, about half an hour. I needed to finalize a, um, a weekend men's conference that I'm doing for a church up in Northern California next month. Yeah. And they were wanting, you know, my outline of the four different messages that I was going to speak and stuff like that. So I was working on that. And, you know, opportunities like that uh, have come into my life uh, because of a few different things. You know, God's grace, open doors, you know, his kind of gifts that he's given to me and stuff like that. But, But one really big one was when like four or five years ago, Without really even knowing how to write, I just really sensed that the Lord wanted me to write a men's discipleship book. And I don't know that anybody up there has even read it yet. Yeah. But yeah, I think maybe just that heart, you know, hmm. seeing like, well, man, you know, this guy, Nate Holdridge, he's a pastor who cares about men and, you know, has some enough to say at least to populate Put it in know, a, book. a book. Yeah. So, you know, 
and I've I've watched that open doors, you know. Oh, and totally. So, you know, you just never really know where these smaller, you know, project-like steps of faith might take you. Yeah. I think that's a good word, especially to the pastor or leader that thinks before I take a step in this in this project or go forward with this, I have to have it completely dialed in. I've got to answer all my questions, you know, all the objections. It's mm. got to be perfectly set because it, if I don't have all that, it may fail. Mm-hmm. So, so do you see something to even if the desired outcome isn't always, <laughs> whoa, incredible, or, you know, what we would deem fruitfulness, is there something to even just stepping out in faith and going... I think God's calling me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I remember hearing somebody talk at one time just about how uh, the reality is that so often, if you can get it 80% where you'd like it to be, you know, a project or a a piece that you're working on, a writing, a teaching, uh, what their point was, if you can get it to 80%, then it, that's better than always strive and then release it. it. That's better than always striving for the mythical 100% because, hmm. you know, the book is never going to feel 100% done. Um, the teaching, you know, I think a lot of times never feels 100% yeah, done. Sure. I mean, the nice thing about pastoral Bible teaching is that Sunday comes, you know, whether you feel 100% <laughs> You're going to say something yeah, exactly. on Sunday, right? You have to get up there. <laughs> um, you know, so... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like right now, you know, a few years ago, I stepped out into trying to do like a in the studio, um, 30 minutes at a time through the Bible teaching uh, project. And, you know, honestly, it's been so much harder than I thought it was going to be so much more demanding than I thought it was going to be. And I don't Mm. know that I'm going to finish it in with that kind of iteration that I was originally, you know, shooting for. Yeah. But um, even in the state that it's in now, I mean, I got a phone call a couple of weeks ago from, you know, a, a brother who used to go to church here and um, lives back east now and hadn't heard from him in a long time. But, you know, he got a hold of me and, and he was just sharing with me how the teachings that I gave in that studio through the book of Hosea just rocked his world and like all the different things that he did in his life, you know, and you're just sitting there going like, man, you know, I didn't, cause I didn't, when I went through Hosea especially or specifically, I didn't really teach it to anybody else. I think I might've done it at our staff chapel yeah. service, but, um, I didn't share it, didn't do it on, on Sunday Wednesdays or, Wednesday. or Sundays, you know, it was just for that studio. For studio yeah. And, um, you know, it's like the Lord, he, he just, you, you just don't know what he's yeah. going to do with that, with that work. I, yeah. I remember talking to my, my friend Lance Ralston, who pastors Calvary Chapel uh, Oxnard, and he has this podcast that has become like a world-renowned podcast. It's hmm. been rated, I think, as the second most popular history podcast in, in, in iTunes. Wow. Um, and it's, it's, he loves church history. And so he took a lot of work that he'd done on, you know, preparing teachings about church history, and he put them in a podcast form, and they are phenomenal. Wow. I mean, they're just phenomenal. And I'm sure when he started out, he had no idea what what was going to happen there. But, you know, the Spirit breathed upon it, and, you know, something really cool happened. So, 
you know, you just you just don't know. You just don't know. So yeah, yeah I feel I feel totally fine with it. If I don't get to the hundred percent mark, if I don't yeah. complete it as I originally thought, that's part of the fun of it. You know, sure. just going, Okay, this is just different than I thought it was gonna look. Yeah. That's great, man. Great word. Well, um I think we can hit on one more thing and I, I want to talk about the the thing you close with number seven so it's got to be the most spiritual right number seven i knew you were number, of number seven i, I knew knew. how could i not bro he's going number seven we got to talk about the message so it's your favorite translation the message oh wait no that's we're talking about the message of the gospel i'm teasing so um so tell me about this. I mean, you're 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 a teacher. Um, I get to teach. You, you know, we we trust the power of the gospel, the message, and we we put great faith in the good news of the gospel. So how do you how do you see this working on Sundays? Um, I mean, in your teaching ministry, um, what does this look like for you? Yeah. So, I mean, it it takes faith in the glorious message of the cross of Christ um, working in someone's life to see all the things that you want to see. You know, it takes faith to look at someone that you're trying to minister to personally whose life has been upended by catastrophic sin and patterns that are seem so embedded that it's just them. That's mm. who they are. That's what they do. It takes faith to believe that it's not going to be through, um, uh, you know, a therapeutic psychology um, session or just by making a bunch of friends in the church or, um, you know, just maybe shielding them from every outside influence that could possibly exist. It takes faith to believe that the blood of Jesus Christ can get into their hearts and sprinkle and cleanse them from all of that filth and unrighteousness. You know, it takes faith to believe that um, the power of God is the gospel itself. You know, it takes faith to say with Paul, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God to salvation. Um, So... You know, when because when you're when you're when you're teaching and leading, you know, in a church, it's it can be tempting, you know, to think that if we organize everything the right way, if uh, if I'm persuasive enough or funny enough or have enough like you know human kind of points and applications, that's going to get the job done in someone's life. But it it takes faith to continue to preach that dividing word of the gospel to say this is what sin is Mm. this is what your lost condition looks like this is how far you are from god Uh, this is how you this is why you must be saved this is how you must be saved Uh, it takes faith you know to continue to preach and to live you know that message and then you know i think probably most of the people that i'm talking to or that would listen to this podcast probably already feel that way you know, when yeah. it comes to like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to continue to preach that gospel message. I'm not wavering in that at all. But I think maybe for us, it kind of maybe is more introduced in the, the, the more subterranean ministry 
kind of stuff. Yeah. Do you believe that the that on a one-on-one level that that mm. you know message is still what needs to be communicated at that level? You know that who a person is in Christ is such a powerful message for a marriage to mm. overcome. Or do you just believe that what you need to give are you know ninety-nine practical tips on how to communicate? You know, in marriage, and you know, obviously those kind of elements can be nice, you know, the things about communication and all of that. Mm -hmm. But do you believe that the gospel can make a husband stand upright and function in the way that he needs to function? So it's kind of like, maybe it's like the, it's the core of the matter, the core of who a person is and believing that that core, you know, uh, impute, imputation of righteousness mm. actually is effective for life change and transformation. You know, I, I've been quoting it a, a lot over the last year or so because I loved it so much, but Ray Stedman, when he taught through the book of Romans, he, he would constantly refer to righteousness from God that we receive by faith in Christ. He would constantly refer to that righteousness as worth that it was a it was a feeling of worth that God was putting upon a person and mm-hmm. he was just always stressing to his congregation you have this worth that's what that righteousness is before that you had no worth you felt a worthlessness but you should sense a worth that God has given to you cuz that's what that righteousness is he's imputed that into your account mm-hmm. it just kind of was a fresh way for me to think about that and how yeah this gospel message that we preach it does that in a person's life if they can really see it and get it, you know. Yeah. So, so, you know, I, I felt like I'd be remiss not to say this is a way that we walk by faith and not by sight also because you can't see into a person's heart. You can't see what's happening within, but you just have to believe and know that that is the salve that is needed for the sickness of the heart. Mm. Yeah, well said. I don't really have anything to add to that, but I just say amen. And I think that's a good word for us as pastors and those that are maybe doing that peripheral kind of discipleship and counseling mm. to remember that the strength is in the good news of the gospel. It's not good advice. It's not just another thing that we throw out there to try and solve someone's issue because the gospel reaches us in the heart mm-hmm. and that's where we need change. Mm-hmm. That, everything else is you know, surface stuff, but we need God to transform and change our hearts. So the, the gospel is what we have to mm-hmm. go on and mm-hmm. it's all we need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, good word. Well done. All right. Well, um, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you sharing this, Nate, and uh, opening up your heart and continuing to speak and allow God to use you and having faith that he's going to bring the fruit in his, his time. Thanks for joining us today in this conversation. For more articles and resources from Pastor Nate, please go to nateholdridge.com and search the archives. All of his articles are there. And while you're online, please share an episode of this podcast with a friend. We would love to see this podcast get into as many hands and ears as possible. And as always, tune in next week for a brand new episode from this show. But until then, God bless you guys. We'll see you soon.